0: All right, well, I'm excited uh, to talk to you uh, this morning. We're continuing this series on prayer, praise, and worship. Here we go. All right. So, um, this morning, it's, it's, I have some important things I want to say to you, and I want you to hear from God. It's important that you can really clearly hear what God wants to say to you this morning, because... When we're talking about prayer, there can be a lot of distractions, and God wants to speak to you in his voice, and he's talking to you right now, and it's really important that we're able to tune everything out so we can hear what God has to say, amen? Are you guys listening? All right. Make that noise stop. All right, so that sound uh, is from an analog radio. For those of you that were born uh, last millennium, um, a millennium ago, you know what that is. It looks like this, and there's a little red line, and it it goes along the numbers, and you try to find a radio station. It's tuning into frequencies that are in the air, which is crazy anyway, right, that there's these radio waves in the air. And you can get on a station, if you're in between two stations, what happens? You hear them both, right? If you get, you can be in between three stations and you get all three, right? And it's a horrible sound. Okay, that, that sound that I played just now, I want you to think about how that sound made you feel inside, internally. What kind of emotions were you feeling when that was going on? We often live our lives that way. Uh, We live our lives with a lot of noise. Okay, we're trying to hear from God, and we live our lives with a lot of noise, a lot of voices coming in from all these different places, and we wonder why we can't hear from God. Uh, I'm not judging anyone or myself. Where does a fish live? Fish lives in water. Where do we live? We live in the water of our culture. And we live in the noisiest culture. You got it, Bryce? (laughs) We live in the noisiest culture of all time. The noisiest culture of all time. The most distracting culture of all time. The most media of all time. The most social media channels. The most television. The most everything of all time. And so what I want to talk about today is... Well, number one, how to hear from God. And number two, what the most important message from God is that we need to hear. Okay, so there's one of my favorite verses on prayer is from Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that. That I am God. There's some great verses on prayer in the Bible. You might even look at this and say, that verse isn't about prayer. Yes, it is. Be still and know that I am God. I don't want to be still and know that God is God. I want to do five things at once and know that God is God. I want to watch television and know that God is God. I want to scroll through my phone And know that God is God. I want to get more likes on social media and know that God is God. I want to put in more overtime at work and know that God is God. I want to get that next degree in school and know that God is God. I don't want to be still and know that God is God. I want to do all those things and I'll know that God is God still. How's that working out for you? Or for me? All right, we're gonna do an exercise here, and it's probably gonna be a little uncomfortable, but it only lasts 30 seconds, okay? So I wanna give you 30 seconds of, can you go back, please? I want 30 seconds of silence. We're not gonna play any music, and I'm gonna set a timer on my phone, so I promise it'll only be 30 seconds. And I want to give you a couple instructions. Number 1, don't pray. When's the last time a pastor told you not to pray? During a prayer series even LaRonda. don't pray. Just be still. Just be still. If you get distracted, use a word to bring you back, to bring your focus back. Say the in your head, say the word Jesus, say the word Abba, say the words be still. And I want you just to observe what you experience going on in your body and observe what you experience going on in your soul while you just be still, okay? So 30-second timer, be still, be quiet, don't pray, just be still. Here we go, 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds of, of stillness is over. All right, we can go to the next slide. We're gonna do our discussion questions. For those of you that are new, we do this once during the sermon. Uh, we're gonna bring you together and talk and, and just get you ready for the rest of the sermon, okay? So number one, how did you feel during the radio tuning sound, when that sound was going on at the beginning of the sermon, how did you feel? Number two, how did you just feel during that 30 seconds of silence? Please know, and I'll talk about this in the sermon, um, I expect for many of us that was not a positive experience, okay? I expect for many of us it was, it was uh, what, I don't want to give you the answer, but just, that is, there's no church answer you need to give there. Maybe it was beautiful for you, that's great, but just be honest and share what that was like for you, and it's, I, my money beyond it was more negative than positive. Um, number three, why does our culture move at such a fast pace? So we'll have a timer on the screen, and then we'll come back up for the rest of the sermon. I want to talk a little bit about fasting uh, initially, and then we're going to jump back into that idea of silence that we talked about. Okay, so fasting, uh, it is, if if you've never heard of that before, the traditional fast is where you don't eat food for a set amount of time. And so if you read your Bible, you know, the word fasting comes up a lot. Fasting, fasted, they fasted. In the Old Testament, there was a lot of fasting that happened uh, it, 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 there was some fasting that had to do with certain festivals. Other fasting had to do with repentance. And we're gonna t- look at some examples of fasting as far as why would they fast? Why would you go without food? Uh, that seems strange. I love to eat. Why would I ever wanna go you know, without eating on purpose, right? Uh, so that's a traditional fast is when you go a set amount of time without eating, maybe a day, a set amount of days or something. Uh, there's also the Lent sort of idea of fasting which has long been in our church tradition, and if you're not familiar with Lent, that's okay. I did not grow up observing Lent. Uh, it is not just a Catholic thing. Uh, Christians of all shapes and sizes observe Lent, um, but Lent is the time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, and it's a preparation time as we prepare for the celebration of the empty tomb, and it's a time of self-reflection, and one of those times, uh, one, one part of that self-reflection is giving something up for Lent, and it's often called a fast, a Lenten fast. And so you could fast from maybe something that's kind of unhealthy, uh, maybe a bad habit. It could be something that's just a distraction. Um, I've heard people fasting from uh, dessert, fasting from coffee or caffeine, fasting from screens, fasting from social media, you know, all these sorts of things. The idea is when you fast from something, it, it attunes your attention to God, okay? So when you, uh, your, your body, so we're very ad- easily addicted individuals, um, you know, just everybody here is addicted, like not, not just to really unhealthy things, but we're addicted to TV and phones and dessert and coffee and all that stuff. So when you take one of those things away, your body naturally has an impulse to go to it, and then you've taken it away, maybe for the day or maybe for the Lenten period or wh- whatever it might be, and it's a way of tuning that thing out. Like if you're on the radio dial and you've got two stations on there, you've got the God radio station and you have your social media radio station and they're going like this. And you say, for these 40 days, I'm going to tune out this distraction and I'm going to better be able to hear from God. Even for one day, I'm going to go without eating for one day and your body will remind you of how dependent you are on food right? Your body will remind you. And it's not just your physical body. It's your emotional self. You're, you're, you go to food for comfort. You go to food for pleasure. And when you deprive your body of food for a day, your body and mind goes, I need comfort and pleasure. Well, the idea of fasting is you go to God for your comfort. You go to God for your pleasure. You intentionally are tuning in to his radio station. I firmly believe God is speaking to you and he's speaking to me. We just have to find his radio station and we have to tune the rest of it out. We just have to find him on that dial and figure out how to tune all the rest of those noises out. So here's just some kind of random uh, verses I picked from the Bible to show you why people fast and why you may want to consider doing a fast. Uh, so the first two are from the Old Testament 2nd Chronicles 23 uh, Alarmed, king Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. First of all, can we just say Jehoshaphat is one of the most underrated names in the whole Bible? Like that name is inc- is incredible. It's awesome. I would like maybe I mean to change our name. He was actually one of the good kings. He's one of the few good kings in the Old Testament with an awesome name. So, he's getting attacked by Judah's enemies, Judah Israel uh, this, was, this was late, kind of right before the, uh, the exile. But he's getting attacked and, uh, by enemies, and it was an ambush. And they were outmanned, as Israel often was. And he is alarmed. What do you do when you're alarmed? That could have been one of our discussion questions, right? When's the last time you were alarmed? And when you are alarmed, what do you do? Often when we're alarmed, we go to unhealthy places, right? Or when we're alarmed, our bodies just Fill up with anxiety, fear, panic. Well, when Jehoshaphat was alarmed, he declared a fast for the whole country. He said, Y'all, we're not gonna eat, and we are gonna get on our knees, and we're gonna call out to God for help and ask him what we should do. Ask him what we should do. Okay, Esther 4:16. If you don't know the story of Esther, read the whole book. It's a wonderful story. It's a short book. The people, the Jewish people. They were in exile, so they were not in Israel anymore. And uh, the king, uh, Xerxes, he wanted to kill them all. He wanted to kill all of them. He wanted to genocide the Jews. Esther is a Jew. It's a long story. I won't tell it all to you here. But basically, uh, she has the opportunity to save the Jewish people, but she could die. Don't you hate that? When God's like, hey, go do this for me, but you could die. <laughs> but, so. She's in a spot where she's like, I know what I need to do, but I could die. So what does she do? She fasts. It says in verse 16, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She fasts and she asks her community to fast for her for three days as she goes to the king, basically asking the king's favor to not kill her people. And what, I, what is really interesting about this is she says, if I perish, I perish. I want you to know fasting is not a magical way to get God to do what you want. It's, it's not like, hey, God, I really need you to hook me up this time, so I'm going to fast. Are you impressed with me? Like, whoa, look at me, you know? It's not a way to impress God. It's not a way to get God to do what you want. It's not magic. She's like, you could all fast for me for three days and I'm still gonna die. I'd be kind of bummed out if I went without food for three days and she still died. I'd be like, I could have been eating the whole time. That's just cold, isn't it? <laughs> it's real. <laughs> she doesn't know. There's no guarantee. Yet we see here, if the story of Esther, is why it's in the Bible. I mean, It's this incredible story of God's deliverance of his people, from uh, the, the, their captors. And Esther, uh, she's the one, because of her faith, because of her response, because of this fast, God does an incredible, amazing miracle to save the people. Fast forward to the New Testament. We have the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Church, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the book of Acts. And uh, in, in Acts thirteen two, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. And a couple of things you see here, fasting was a part of their worship rhythm already. It was a normal part of the life of an Old Testament Jew. It was the normal part of a life of a Jesus. It was a normal part of a life of a New Testament Christian. And while they were in the process of fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Not a coincidence. Okay? You want the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Try tuning other things out go into a fast intentionally saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me. And this is a big, uh, they have these big decisions to make in the early church and God's raising up leaders and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to set up Barnabas and, Paul, and Saul, who, who is Paul, and send them out on this missionary journey. Uh, one last one, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. They started new churches. They raised up elders. That was like kind of our version of pastors. And they didn't just pick who they wanted. They didn't just pick who felt good. They prayed and they fasted because they needed to hear from God. What fasting does is it tunes everything out. It allows you to seek God's voice. What fasting also does is it forces you to slow down. I hate slowing down. I hate it. I mean, Esther's like, fast for three days. I'm like, three days? How about three minutes? Like, I could, do, I could absolutely do a three-minute fast for you anytime. Give me a call, middle of a meal. I will wait for three minutes. Seek the Lord. I mean, we just did 30 seconds. That was pretty good, right? <laughs> it forces you to slow down. And when I thought about slowing down, I thought about this picture. What happens when you go to a stream or a river and you pick up a rock out of the water. What's that rock like? Tell me about it. Smooth, it's smooth, and it's got rounded edges. Why? It's been been still. The water, the power of the water has been flowing over that rock. Did that rock have to do anything to become smooth? It just had to be still. What if that rock kept jumping in and out of the water, in and out of the water? I was like, I'm going to go in the water for five minutes and I'm going to jump back out. It would be sharp and jagged. I'd rather hold a smooth rock than a sharp and jagged rock, right? This process takes a long time. And it's a long time of what? Doing nothing. It feels like you're doing nothing when you're being still, and listening to the voice of God. When you're being still in God's presence, and you are saying, Holy Spirit, water of life, the, the water, the river of God. I mean, this is a metaphor of God's presence all throughout scripture. Wash over me, wash over me, wash over me, wash over me. I'm going to be still. And what do you know? You, you pull that rock out of the water later, and it's changed. The rock has been miraculously transformed by the water that has been rushing around it or gently rolling over it. And if you know people that know how to tune out the distractions and they know how to be still before God, they're changed people, aren't they? They are changed people than someone who's like, hadada, 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 hadada. I gotta do this, 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 I gotta. gotta. you like, whoa! I'm gonna have a heart attack just. Like talking to you, right? Like, slow down because you're, you're speeding me up right now and I am uncomfortable, right? This is contagious. If you are a non anxious presence with other people because you're in God's presence, it is contagious to them. Oh, maybe I can relax too. And if you're agitated and, and, and you know, that's also contagious. Be still. And know that I am God. I've read a lot about silence and solitude. And one thing in my reading that can be frustrating is when you read from an author who's maybe we would consider some kind of guru on this, Christian guru on silence and solitude, it can feel like you're going to have a euphoric experience with God when you go into silence and solitude. God spoke to me and I saw angels and I had warm fuzzies all over me. That's awesome, and I love it when though we have those moments with God. But when you go into your silence and solitude, and you're thinking that's what's going to happen to me, it's probably not going to happen to you. Not every time. Uh, when 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 I when I go into my silence and solitude time, um, I, I can tell you, it is a struggle. But the struggle is part of the beauty of it. Part of the observation of why is it a struggle. So when I close my eyes, I'll tell you right now, when I did that 30 seconds, it felt like about 15 minutes I mean, <laughs> when we did that. When I did the 30 seconds, I thought, really, 30 seconds isn't over yet? I was anxious on your behalf for the anxiety you were feeling while doing the 30 seconds. I was, when I go before God in stillness, I close my eyes, and I think I have this later uh, as a tip. But I, I always set a timer. I think timers are important, and we'll talk a little bit about why. But I'll set my timer, and I, I try to be still before him. As soon as I close my eyes, I feel this physical pull to go do a task. To, I want to go do a task. Sometimes the task is just reading the Bible or praying. To do something except sit still. Sometimes I get bored. If I'm doing an extended period of silence and solitude, I will get bored. What I experience almost every time, though, is my finiteness. So, finite is the opposite of infinite. Is anyone here infinite? No. I am not infinite. You are not infinite. A lot of times we live like we're infinite, though, don't we? We live like we don't have limits, we live without boundaries. And we live like we're going to live forever. And we we live maybe even like God is depending on us. And when I sit in stillness before God, I feel my finiteness. I literally feel the weakness of my body. I feel like I am in a very large world with very large problems. And I am very, very small. And if we learn how to hear the voice of God, it's in that moment that I hear God say to me, This weak vessel is the one I love. This weak, broken vessel is the one that I love. And you don't have to perform for me. You don't have to be hectic for me. This is who I love. What I do is I hide that weak vessel behind a lot of armor My armor is my performance. My armor is my accomplishments. My armor is my activities. And I say, do you love this version of me, God? The one that performs. The one that's an all-star. The one that got these accolades as if God's love for me was based on my performance and my merit. And God says, yeah, I love you always. (laughs) But this weak vessel, that's you. And that's who I love. That's your true self. You don't have to do anything to be loved. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to do anything to be loved by God. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus did it all. You don't have to do anything to be loved by God except freely accept the gift of salvation through Jesus. All right, here's some non guru tips for silence and solitude. I'll try to go through these quick. Set a timer. I do that because uh, if I don't set a timer, I typically just kind of mesh it right into prayer time or I fall asleep, you know, and if I'm like trying to do this in bed or something, uh, I I set a timer and I'm telling you like two minutes, just do two minutes. Can we, can just, you don't have to do 20, you don't have to do an hour, two minutes, two minute timer on your phone and just be still. Number two, close your eyes, sit in a hard chair and open up your hands. Put them on your legs and open your hands up. And just sit. For those two minutes, don't pray. For those two minutes, be still. And just observe. Just observe. Observe your body, observe your spirit, and try to listen to God's voice. Doesn't mean you're going to hear something audibly. You may. You may hear something very clear from God. But try to observe your own weakness before the presence of God. Okay, when distracted, use a word to bring you back. You're going to get distracted. Some thought's going to come in your mind. Jesus, Abba, Abba is a word for Father. Be still, observing, listening. Then after your timer's done, you can add more to your timer or you can move into a time now of prayer. Usually, I got lots of stuff that just got kicked up in the dust and now I know what to pray for, right? Now I know what I need to pray for. There's a very important message that God wants you to hear. And I want to I close with this because we're talking about how to hear the voice of God. But as we tune in these radio stations, there's a very important message God wants you to hear through all the noise that's distracting us. It's from Scripture. It's actually the truth of the gospel. But we cannot hear it when we have all of these stations coming in at one time. All right, so here's some passages from Scripture about what we have in the gospel. And I'm going to read them, and as I read them, I want you to try to absorb these Scripture passages. And I want you to look for a theme. So I want you to try to observe a theme from these Scripture passages, okay? Romans eight fifteen to 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and couple heirs with Christ. Abba is a word kind of like daddy is a very intimate expression for God. That would have been pretty um, scandalous even to use for God because he was so revered uh, by the Jewish people. So look for themes, Colossians 1.22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Matthew 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I've got another page of verses I'm gonna have us look at, but just in these three verses here, there's a theme we can pick up. The theme is that we are children and we are heirs and we are co-heirs with Jesus. If we're a co-heir with Jesus, it means we get what he gets. Often my franticness, my hecticness is because I'm trying to prove my value to myself. I'm trying to prove my value to you. I'm trying to prove my value to my family of origin. I'm trying to prove my value to uh, the kids I went to high school with. I'm trying to prove my value with my hecticness. Often when we go to sin, we go to our sin issues, our vices, our hang ups, it's because we're trying to feel a sense of value. This thing makes me feel value. It gives me a rush of comfort. God tells Jesus, the Father, I should say, tells Jesus, I love you and I'm well pleased with you. We are told straight up in the gospel that we are adopted as children. That we, like Jesus is God the Son in the Trinity, we're co-heirs with Jesus. Another passage says Jesus is our brother. When God looks at you, he says, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my child, and I am well pleased with you. And I love you. You don't believe me? You're holy. You're without blemish. You're free from accusation. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus already did and what he's made you. Hang on to that theme. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A couple verses down, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. A verse you might know, not by works, so that no one can boast. John 19, when he had received the drink, Jesus said his last words on the cross before he died, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished. Now what theme are you seeing on these two slides? There's a hint, think of all the lies Satan tells you. The lies he tells you to be afraid, the lies he tells you that you're not good enough, The lies he tells you that you need to do more. The lies he tells you that what you do is never enough. The lies he tells you that you're stained, that you're accused. The lies he tells you that you're unlovable. And every one of these passages speaks truth to those lies. You're not a slave. You wouldn't live in fear that you're adopted into his family as a child, that you can cry out, Abba, Father, that you're co-heirs with Christ, you're without blemish, you're free from accusation, and God is well-pleased with you. Amen. And there's an irony to this, that it's in my weakness, when I tune everything else out, and, I, and, and in my stillness before God, and I, I, I observe my weakness before him. I observe that I don't have to do anything to be loved. That he loves just me. Just little old me. Powerless me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And he loves you. 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 He loves you for just being you. And you may have never had someone tell you that before. Because your teachers may not have loved you unless you got A's. Your parents may not have loved you unless you got A's, unless you performed, unless you would got the all-star team, and you did right on everything. And we get these, 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 these views of love into our head that are from Satan. And God says, I love you because you are my child. I love you because you are my child. And we learn to become dependent on this. Worship team, you can come on back up. Here's a couple things I want you to take home with you. In Jesus, you are a beloved child of God. You are complete. And you are already loved, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Because of who you are as God's child. God has a message. He wants to communicate it to you. And this is where rest is found. We can strip away the distractions. We all have different ones. I hope God has shown you some of them today. And he's saying, will you be still this week? Will you be still and know that I'm God? Will you take time out to listen to his voice in your weakness and listen to him speaking to you, his love for you? Let me pray and then we're going to take communion together and continue in worship. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you love us in our weakness. And we are so hectic and frantic and distracted. And we go to so many things for comfort. And God, being still before you is so hard. I pray this week we would challenge ourselves to just take two minutes when we're alone to sit in stillness and to listen to your Holy Spirit and to observe ourselves as we meditate on this message that we are your precious children thank you God for loving us thank you that we can take communion that we can remember we can remember that we are loved by you Jesus that you made all of this possible that we can fully rest in you Jesus When you said it is finished, you meant it. It is finished. We don't have to add anything on to what you've already done. So we thank you for this time that we can remember the beautiful gift of your love for us, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.